let me know when I can start. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing in the New Testament, um, it's a five-year process that we've embarked on. We're about halfway through. Uh, we have covered Matthew, Mark, we did John, then we did Luke, we did Acts. And um, since we spent all that time in Acts talking about the missionary journeys, we are now working through some of the letters that Paul wrote, and uh, we're taking them um, out of order from the way they are in the Bible, but uh, in the order we believe they were written. And so we believe the first two letters that Paul wrote were first and second Thessalonians. They were written around 51 A.D. He visited there for the first time in 49 A.D., or the time that he visited there. Um, and he's, uh, he was there about six months, as we talked about. He got run out of town, as was usually the case. Um, sometimes he got to spend six months in a place, or I think the longest he was in anywhere was at Ephesus for almost three years. But sometimes he'd get in town for two or three weeks and they'd run him out. But he had, a, he had about a six-month run um, while he was uh, with the Thessalonians. And then uh, he had to leave in, in rather hurry, and so he's been checking back on them. And Timothy, uh, he sent Timothy to find out what was going on. Timothy came back with a report that they were doing well, and he was very happy about that. And, uh, and so we, we saw him encourage them in the first letter. And now he's writing back because there's a little confusion that he wants to address. Uh, and he wants to bless them again that he's missing them. And uh, so that's what we'll be talking about today. Now, Second Thessalonians, only three chapters, and they're all very short. And so we're going we're gonna to just wade through them today, okay? And then when we come back next week, we'll be in First Corinthians. That's the next one written. First Corinthians and Galatians and Second Corinthians. That's the order they're coming if you want to read ahead. So obviously First Corinthians is going to take us a chunk of time to get through. It's pretty long, all right? But uh, um, I thought we would just uh, uh, plow through and get these three little chapters out of the way today. So that's enough preamble to get it all done. I better start. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read all three chapters. And then we'll talk about them briefly in our time together. Second Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 1 and following. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians... <laughs> that's a good way to start. To the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you, and give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours 
and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord had already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teachings you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people... Oh, that's kind of good. I like that verse. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.
and blessed be the word of the Lord. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? So let's just close and we'll go home. All right, there's a few things going on that we should discuss. Um, the church in, in uh, Thessalonica is going through a lot of persecution. And uh, apparently what's happened, just so you get the theme, from the time of the last letter, and remember in the last letter in 1 Thessalonians, um, Paul talks about the last days and what that means and how we'll know and all those things that are happening are taking place. Um, Apparently someone in between that letter and when Paul has to write back has gotten to the church and uh, false teachers or people with bad teaching have begun to tell them that the persecution they're facing is indeed the end times, the last days, the day of the Lord. Remember I said that, that the great and dead, dreadful day of the Lord starts with Jesus coming back and ends and runs till the end of the millennium. So um, apparently someone has either taught them or said Paul wrote a letter or something, which is why he's saying, always look for my handwriting on these things um, so you can tell the difference because they, they got a hold of some bad teaching and it's had an impact on part of the church there and Paul needs to address that but he's going to start in chapter 1 first off by telling them that even in the midst of trials and persecutions um, they can be at peace and that, that both grace and peace are gifts that, that come to believers through the Lord Jesus Christ and that, that God's grace and God's peace are available to us. We've talked about this, even in the midst of our circumstances not being exactly what they should be. And so um, all those things are, are kind of happening there in the beginning couple of verses of Second Thessalonians 1. Now, it goes on in verses 3 to 5, and, and um, Paul is thankful for the church because their faith is increasing and their love is growing in spite of trials that they're facing. And so their relationship with God and their relationship with others is growing stronger. And, and we've talked about that a lot. This is one of the functions of the church. Loving God and loving others. Remember, not that long ago, we did an entire series about that. We called it Being. Uh, and, and we talked about the important thing was being in relationship with God and being in relationship with others. And that, that's a life-giving type of, of life that we follow. And it allows believers to persevere and thrive even under adverse situations. And so, so Paul is thanking them that, that the majority of them have been going through these very difficult times and they've continued to grow in their relationship with God and they've continued to grow in their relationship with one another. And that's the, the marks of a healthy church. Change lives. People who are growing closer to God and growing stronger in their relationship with one another. So it's, it was a foundation back in 51 AD, <laughs> just as it is today. And so, so Paul is very thankful for their, that process and what they're going through. Now, uh, in 6 through 10, he, he, wants to, he continues to encourage them not to get discouraged in the face of this persecution and particularly not to seek vengeance. Um, because he said, don't worry, when, when Jesus comes back, he'll set everything right. See, even when we go through difficulties and trials, we're not to take it on ourselves to go and get even, which is the, the normal response. We're, we're supposed to... Um, let God take care of that stuff. And it doesn't mean we let people run all over us either. It just means, um, contrary to our culture, um, if someone 
dishes us or disses us. We don't need to diss them back. All right. Not, I'm sorry. I'm not very good with the vernacular, but but you know what I mean. Um, it's it's not that you know your mama thing that people do. What's that show called? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. So I'm out of step. But I didn't watch it then either. All right. Anyway. Um, But it, 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 just as important then, he's saying, listen, the way that you're going to impact the world is, is not by trying to get even. It's going to, by continuing to grow closer to God and to one another. That's how we impact the world around us. See, it's always love that makes a difference. And, and we've talked about that over and over and over again. And, and that, that, you know, sometimes all we, all we can say is that when Jesus comes back, he's going to take care of that. He'll, he'll right the wrongs at the point in time when he returns. Um, verse 11 and 12, um, with that in mind then, the, the church in Thessalonica is to continue on in the purpose that God has given them. They're to keep walking out their mission. The, they're, they're not to lose sight of what really matters. Um, they can't let the persecution keep them from running the race that God has for them. And, and that's true today of the church. We need to be mindful of the mission that he's given us and we need to stay on it. And, and um, not get sidetracked if we, you know run into some problems, which we do. That we, we still keep pressing on and, and we want to continue to do what right no matter what's going on. We talk about that all the time, living by doing the next right thing. And and that's on that's what we do. We can't we can't do what other you know we're gonna treat people the way that we want to be treated. Their response is on them, it's not on us. You know, we we're not gonna remember the, the golden rule, right? We don't treat people the way they treat us, we treat people the way we want to be treated. How they treat us is a whole different situation. We're still going to treat people with respect. We're going to treat people with love. And, and we're going to reach out to them wherever we can. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Paul um, now moves on to, in the second chapter, he's got to address some very important issues in the church. Um, first of them is this error that's popped up in the end times discussion. And some teachers apparently have told them that the persecution they're facing, as I said, is in fact the day of the Lord. The period of time we were discussing in our last study starts with the return of Jesus and ends at the millennium. Paul um, says it's not the case and reminds them of the teaching he'd already given them on the subject. And he says, listen, I've taught you this, but we're going to go back over it because, you know, he wasn't there all that long and it, it might not have been something that was the center of discussion, just something that popped up in the teaching. Um, before the day of the Lord starts... Paul says there's three things that have to occur. The apostasy, the revealing of the man of lawlessness, and the removal of restraint against lawlessness. Um, those three things um, aren't listed in the order that they take place. Um, and, and just so you know, the apostasy is, is the church turning away from the true and living God and following a deceiver, a man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, who according to the book of Daniel, we believe, makes some sort of peace treaty with Israel that looks really good to everybody. And, and um, the people who don't truly believe in the, in the real and true God get deceived by this process. Uh, and uh, the removal of restraint is believed to be this, that the restraint, what holds that back at this point in time is the Holy Spirit working through the church. The Holy Spirit indwelling all of us is holding back that process. So, if you remember in 1 Thessalonians 4, there's an event 
where we're caught up to the Lord in the air. It's very possible that that's what takes place, and then everything goes completely wild in, in that process. Now, again, I, I told you that the tribulation period, that seven-year period, has many um, different uh, arguments, if you would. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Some people believe it's, it's already taken place. There's lots of different beliefs. Um, some people believe the church is out in the beginning. Some people believe the church goes out in three and a half years. Some people believe the church is here through the end. Um, and I've said to you, you know, I certainly have an opinion. You know, and I jokingly told you that you get to go out wherever you believe. And uh, which just really frustrates some people. But <laughs> it, if you believe that, it will change the way you think about it. I almost guarantee it. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's uh, the, the Feast of Israel, and we talk about, I mean, we, we've talked about that a lot over the last couple of weeks again, you know, that four have been fulfilled, three remain, the one we're waiting for is trumpets, and that's when the, the you know, the, the bride is caught up to the bridegroom, and, and so um, all of these things are happening, and as Paul is, is, you know, he's writing about these things, it's what we're waiting on. So it's very possible they fit together that way. There are other very possible interpretations. I've told you, there's some very... There's some scholars I respect tremendously who have different viewpoints than me. Um, to me, to me, that's not the main thing. You know, the, the main thing is getting people to Jesus. Our mission is one more. We're going to get one more lost child back to dead. That's what we're focusing on. That's what we're called to. The other stuff, if it's not a main point, is, is, is a point. And if we get plenty of time sitting around, you know, and it doesn't distract us from our main thing, we can discuss it. But... I think every time we get so far off track that we get all worried about that, we, we lose the main thing. And uh, I don't want to do that. So we're going to stay on track. And um, there's, there's lots of good interpretations of that. But anyway, you've, you've heard me talking. Now, verses 8 through 13. Um, Paul then gives a description of what this man of lawlessness is going to look like. He's empowered by the evil one to deceive many with many false miracles, signs, and wonders. And, and people who have not believed in the true God will actually be deceived and believe that this guy is God. And they'll worship him. And uh, Paul then says there's eternal consequences for those who refuse to believe in the true God and who are um, deceived by wickedness and uh, lawlessness here at the end. And, um, you know, that... Uh, there's no joy in that for us. That, that should, uh, as he says to them, and what it should do to us is make us realize that we desperately need to redeem this time so that as many people as possible can come to know Jesus. That, that it's an eternal um, situation that, that we're engaged in and that, that we want to win as many for him as we can in the time that we have. And, and so that's why we do what we do. We're going to love people into the kingdom and in the process... Uh, that they might avoid that. And, uh, and so, you know, depending on where you, you believe the church is out, um, there is in that period of time, it looks like, not many, but some who, who still manage to get saved in that process um, with the church gone. If you read in Revelation, it looks like part of the house of Israel is redeemed and uh, some things take place. They come to know and, and finally accept and believe in Christ. So, we will. here's what I can tell you for sure. At one point in time, we will definitely know. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, and it, it, we might not care at that point in time. So I know that's one of those things. That may be when you're in 10,000 years or 100,000 years. Oh, yeah, whatever happened. But who knows? I don't know. 
So uh, 14 through 17, he goes on, he says, look, you've got to stand firm in your calling. You've got to stand firm in your mission, and despite whatever difficulties you face. And, and Paul prays for them that they would be encouraged, comforted, and strengthened to continue on in their uh, mission and what they're called to. And I like to think that, that, that prayer, you know, goes on um, for the church today. That, uh, that's pretty cool. But it had to be cool knowing, I mean, they all loved Paul. It had to be cool knowing that Paul was praying for what you were doing. Um, pretty good thing. Third chapter. Paul, um, he, he asked for prayers for himself and his fellow missionaries from the strong church there in Thessalonica. And then um, he deals with a problem in this, last chapter, in this last chapter that's arisen in the church there because of the bad understanding of the day of the Lord. Apparently, some people in the church, having believed that they'd entered that last period of time already, um, they, they got lazy and stopped being productive. Yeah, well, for in the last days, what, you know, what's, it, what's the point? And so, um, uh, you know, Paul had admonished the church in the first letter because uh, they might have been leaning in that direction, that everybody needed to be busy. They needed to be productive, to work with their hands, not to be a burden on anybody else. But apparently, part of the church had stopped being productive, and they started having a negative impact on the rest of the believers, because they were, they were just kind of hanging around, and the church was having to take care of them instead of going on and doing the things that they needed to do. These people knew Jesus and should be busy and productive and be part of the solution, not a continual drag on the rest of the church. And um, Paul said that those people who were no longer being productive were busy bodies instead of being busy. And so instead of tending to their own business, they were busy meddling in the business of others. And... Um, and that's never a good situation. And so he addresses it pretty, pretty sternly. Um, he, he reminds them, again, of the importance of living in the light of truth and grace. It's very important. And, and he encourages them to deal with the people who become idle, but not to consider them enemies. And see, this is really important. Um, the idea is to restore these people into right standing in their relationship with the church and with Christ, not to... Um, be mean to them just for the sake of being mean to them because they've been judged for being lazy. And, and it's very important. So the concept is that if someone's in, in a place where they shouldn't be, because um, Paul even says, look, I, you can't hang out with them the way you did. Um, I, I think what we need to do is we need to be aware of the fact that they're not where they're supposed to be and we put up some boundaries that says, you know, until you make some changes, things got to change around here. But it doesn't mean we don't love you. See, to me, what Paul is doing is he's encouraging them to set some boundaries in their life. And he's saying, look, you, you need to love these people, but you can't just pretend that those things are right. And so the relationship will change. Um, and the, the, the reason that you change it is in, in hopes that they'll repent and come back fully and, and, and strong the way that they're supposed to. And so that's how they're supposed to do that. It, it, it's... Um, and that's what it looks like in our own lives. Whenever we put boundaries up, um, uh, where, where relationship has to change, it needs to be done in love. It's very difficult. It needs to be done in love. But it, it's done in order that repentance take place, not because we're getting something out of it, because they, you know, we've been hurt or something, we just want to be mean. And so that's not what's happening. 
So boundaries always set in the hopes of repentance, not in effort to get vengeance. And, and basically, that's what he calls them to. He says, look, love these people back in, but you need to change some stuff until they repent because they need to get busy and productive because, you know, the Lord had not yet come back and still has not. And so we stay busy. We stay productive. We, we keep doing the things he's called us to, and that brings glory and honor to him. And so we'll... We'll call it a night with that. If you're watching by video, thank you very much for watching. If there's anything we do, you can call us or write us, email us. We'll see what we can do to help you. And uh, God bless you all. You can turn the recording off. And uh, here we'll pray for your prayer request. If you pass up your prayer.